Well, hello, Idaho, my friends and fellow CEOs of life. This is Jason Harwood, the creator of the CEO Idaho podcast. And real quick before we get started, I just want to encourage you to go and check out all of the resources I have available for you in your quest to be the CEO of your own life. Go follow me on Instagram, CEO Idaho. Check out the CEO Idaho Facebook page and go to thejasonharwood.com. Uh, check out my blog, check out the resources that I will have available for you there. Okay, let's get started. You are the CEO of your life. You have to make it happen because let's be honest, no one will make it happen for you. Three things are going to make all the difference in your success. Whether you run a business, a household, or your career, those are first, your mindset, second, your habits, and third, your productivity. And who better to learn from how to maximize your mindset, habits, and productivity hacks than the successful local CEOs and business owners? Watch what they do that you can do too. So here we go. Mindset, habits, hacks, all part of the CEO Idaho podcast. Let's get started. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another interview on the CEO Idaho podcast. Today, we're talking with James Petsky, who is the founder, CEO of Upland Optics. James, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, let's talk for a minute about your business. Interesting, uh, you can go to uplandoptics.com and you'll see even some images there of James out hunting. Uh, or you can go to Amazon and search for Upland Optics, U-P-L-A-N-D, Upland Optics. Um, how did you get into running a business selling scopes and binoculars and high-end hunting gear yeah it's kind of a fun story i uh i've been doing different online businesses for years and mostly selling other people's products on commissions and one day i just kind of had the realization like oh why am i getting a five percent sales commission on amazon when i could be selling my own product instead and so that was when the idea kind of hit me like oh you know what? maybe i can maybe i can start my own binocular company like that was kind of the product i've been selling the most of so I was like yeah you know what? i'm gonna give that a try and so um, uh, a friend of mine and I, uh, Braden Lee, who's my co-founder in the company, we decided to um, source products from China and we kind of went out there and, um, you know, found some products that we thought would work and we, we put our name on it and, you know, customized the products and had them shipped over here and just gave it a try and it worked. And so now here we are four years later or so and, um, you know, it took some time to build it up, but it was definitely kind of a, a fun journey, basically just a lot of experimentation. Um, where we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what makes your products unique, I guess would be the kind of the marketing question. Yeah. So we have a few different ways that we stand out. Um, the, the biggest one is that we only sell directly to consumers, either through Amazon or through our own website. So we don't deal at all with third party retailers. We don't deal with Cabela's. We don't deal with Sportsman's Warehouse. We don't deal with any of the, you know, the big name box stores because of that we don't have to pay anybody to, you know, sell our products for us. And so we can have a higher quality product at a lower price point because all the money that you're paying for the product is going straight into the glass on the binoculars, you know, which is the expensive part. 
mm. instead of paying Cabela's to stock it on the shelves. So that's, that's definitely the, the biggest differentiator that we have. I mean, there's a, a few other technical things as well, you know, just things like the, the coating on the lenses and whatnot that um, I think really set us apart. Um, but I, I think we're, our business model is really just, it's unique enough that it allows us an opportunity to, to stand out. Yeah. The other interesting thing I find fascinating about your business, I've been so um, kind of enthralled with it and thinking, man, what a, what a fascinating uh, kind of business model is the significant majority of your sales all come through Amazon, mm -hmm. which is a, like such, I mean, a totally different business model than most, right? You would think, okay, what's my distribution channel and, um, you know, how am I going to market and all of these things? Yours is pushing it all through through this uh, behemoth uh, online market. Yeah, and the, and the reason that we do that more than anything is because of logistics. It's very easy to use Amazon as a fulfillment partner, and so we, we ship most of our inventory straight to them. Um, and they handle all the logistics. They handle customer service. We also know that they're going to have the fastest shipping times. I mean, we do have a warehouse here in Boise that we ship products from as well, and people buy from us directly. Um, but we know if, you know, a customer is in on the East Coast and they order a product from us, it's going to take quite a few more days to get there from the Idaho warehouse than it is if Amazon just ships it from the one that's in their neighborhood. So Amazon's just, they're a very good fulfillment partner. It hardly costs us anything. Like, um, you know, like I was saying, we don't have to deal with any third-party retailers, which is great. Amazon's the only one, and they take a very small fee. And they, it almost is made up for in the discounts that they get in shipping. So it allows us to maintain our business model, but it gives us some of that bigger retailer logistics advantages. Mm -hmm. Which is kind of the interesting thing in, to, um, in today's world, right? That anybody who wants to go out, and, and you clearly have a passion, you're a big hunter, Mm -hmm. You use all of these products. You use oh, yeah. them. It's something you're passionate about. You decided to go out and find a way to source a high-quality product yourself. All the barriers are coming down for, for someone who wants to go out and do something like this because now you can just do it all through Amazon, and many of the traditional challenges that businesses face are being eliminated. Right. Yeah. Um, I would definitely agree with that. You know, it's certainly easier to launch a physical product business today than it was even 20 years ago. Um, of course, that the one thing that does do is it makes it more competitive, right? It brings mm -hmm. in lots more people competing. So in order to stand out from the crowd, you have to be a lot better now than you used to be because um, you, you can't just have like a relationship with your, you know, your Walmart buyer who's going to buy your products no matter what they are, right? Yeah. Um, you've got to actually stand out in a super credit marketplace. The first product that I ever launched on Amazon was a pocket knife. If you go on Amazon and search pocket knife, even at the time there was like 70,000 listings of pocket knives, right? So <laughs> you've got to have a, either a way to drive some traffic or you've got to have um, some way of standing out and getting the word out um, to consumers uh, or you got to spend a lot on ads. And, you know, there's a bunch of different ways to do it, but you've got to have a way to, um, to, to, you know, stand out above the, the massive number of listings on Amazon. And you still have a bunch of pocket knives, don't you? I do, yeah. That pocket knife business did not end up going very well. That was definitely <laughs> one of my first ones. That, I mean, it, like, it started out okay. We, um, I was selling a bunch of them, and then I got all excited, and so I ordered a lot more. Like, I, my first order was, like, 600 knives, and then the next order, I had, like, 2,000 of them because I got a discount if I ordered that many, of course. Um, but I didn't really think through, like, oh, what if I can't sell that many in a reasonable amount of time? Um, and that was what ended up happening. 
Um, and then of course I started the optics business right around the same time too. And that business did really well. So that became the focus and I kind of let the knives, you know, drift to the side and didn't really work on them very much. And the next thing I know, not selling any pocket knives and I've still got like a thousand of them in the warehouse somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Someday you'll, you'll, uh, figure out something to do with thousands of pocket knives. I mean, I sell two a month or so, so by the time I'm 50, hopefully they'll be gone. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So I guess that kind of sets us up for really our, our first question that we, we typically focus on around mindset. You've been through success. You've also clearly had some things that haven't succeeded, a few failures. What have you learned about the kind of the mindset of success and how you stay moving in a proactive way forward, even though not everything goes exactly the way you want it to? Yeah, um, that's a that's a great question. And it makes me think of one of my all-time favorite books, the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that book at yep. all. Uh-huh. Um, I, would, I would actually probably say that is my all-time favorite nonfiction book. Uh, actually, no, all-time favorite book. Um, because it differentiates something that to me is so important um, in having a growth versus a fixed mindset, which I think is it's the number one most important thing for if you want to be successful in anything, you have to have a growth mindset. Mm. You have to be able to say, what am I going to learn from this? How am I going to move forward? Um, whereas if you have a fixed mindset, you're constantly saying, okay, this is the way the situation is and it doesn't change, right? If I had a fixed mindset when that pocket knife thing didn't work out, I would say, okay, bummer, I can't sell these pocket knives. That's the way that it is and I'm done. Right, that would have been the fixed mindset approach. Mm-hmm. The growth mindset approach is okay. Something about these pocket knives didn't work, but there was something that you know maybe there was a nugget of an idea in here that would work, and that was like, oh, okay, you know, this Amazon thing, it does kind of work. I just didn't have the product right. Maybe if I get the right product, I can get it to work, and that was where the optics business came from. Um, so having a growth mindset in general, I would say is it's the key to being successful in anything. And this applies to all areas of life. I think it's, you can't be, you can't be satisfied with um, where you are and the the way that things ended up. You have to constantly be thinking, how can I make them better? How can I improve? Um, That's how you move forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because the, knife didn't work, uh, didn't necessarily mean you were a failure at business, just meant that there was something to learn there. Do you remember kind of how you went through that process? How did you figure out what it was about the knives that didn't work that would make the um, optics work? You know, some of that was figuring out um, what actually caused the knives to sell because I knew I was selling some knives. So to figure out, okay, I had a couple different sources of traffic. So I figured out which sources of traffic worked. Um, I also looked at things like, okay, is the, the price competitive to other, you know, pocket knives on the market? Um, how do the images look? I looked a lot of like things like the images and the listing on the Amazon page, you know, could I optimize it any better? Um, there was a lot of little lessons that added up. Um, the, I would say the biggest one was the, you know, finding the right sources of, of traffic and eyeballs because you got to get people to the listing. If you don't have that, um, you're going to have a hard time, you know, getting anybody to buy your product. Um, yeah. And, and how did you learn that? What was the process that you personally went through in, in learning how to figure out the 
eyeballs and the traffic and all of those things? That's just looking at data. Um, that's I, I think business owners in general don't do enough looking at data. I think that you, if you're a business owner and you're or an entrepreneur, you're, you're trying to figure out what works in your business and what doesn't. You just have to look at data. You have to see the actual numbers, and you know that's the only way that you can know what's actually happening. I mean. It's very common in the business world and especially in the startup world to make assumptions about what you think is happening, right? Like I could have just assumed like, oh, the knife needs to be, you know, just a different model of pocket knife and then it'll be, be more successful. But if I had looked at the actual numbers, I would have seen, oh, no, it's pocket knives in general are just not the right thing compared to this other opportunity I have, which is the binoculars. And the only way I could figure that out is by looking at, you know, mm -hmm. lots of data. Does that require a certain level of, I, I don't people get emotionally attached to things. So sometimes they have a hard time taking an objective look at data because like they're emotionally attached to pocket knives or, or whatever it is. How did you figure out how to emotionally separate yourself from kind of the sunk cost or whatever of, of the pocket knife to say, it's okay if that doesn't work? Right. And that, that comes down to a psychology thing, right? Like I, most of the books that I read are about psychology, it seems like these days and, you know, figuring out why people do what they do. Um, and you're right. There are definitely biases in there that are going to stop people from making those decisions. Like I had a huge amount of costs, you know, in those knives at the time it was like, I'd paid like seven or 8,000 bucks for the inventory that I still had. And I, to me at the time that was you know, seven or 8,000 bucks was like, that was a lot of money. I mean, that was like almost all of my money. Um, that was kind of tied up in this pocket knife thing. And, you know, I, <laughs> it's, it's kind of hard <laughs> to step back and say like, oh, you know what? I may have a lot of money invested in this thing, but it's not going not gonna to work. But it's just one of those biases. The more you're aware of those biases and the way that you become aware of those biases, you know, there's a couple, because there's a couple of ways. But uh, I think one of the biggest ones is reading and learning about psychology. And then the other one is you just have to know yourself a little bit. You, you know, you have to be able to step back, like you said, and be objective, which is hard. Mm -hmm. But you can kind of figure those things out over time, and if you do a good job, then you can make better decisions based on that. Um, re it's interesting reading about the different ways that people make mistakes um, in their decision-making just based on psychology, because everybody makes, in general, people make very similar mistakes. Some cost fallacy is very prevalent in business. Mm -hmm. So you've mentioned the book Mindset, Carol Dweck. Mm -hmm. uh, what, uh, what book would you recommend around the kind of the psychology of business or the psychology of decision-making? You know, there's, there's a lot, um, a lot of books that I would say, I think there, there's one that I think is a very good starting point. And I actually didn't read it until just a few months ago, but I wish I had read it sooner. Uh, it's kind of a unique book. It's poor Charlie's almanac. Have you ever heard of that book? Mm -mm. By, by Charlie Munger. Oh, okay. This, uh, Warren Buffett's yep. partner in Berkshire Hathaway. He's the, um, the vice chairman of Berkshire Hathaway. Um, yeah. It's a book that basically, it starts out looking at Charlie Munger's philosophies on life, which his main philosophy that he talks about is having different mental models. So basically learning lots and then combining those mental models and using that to help make decisions. Um, and then, it, so it, it kind of overviews that. And then it's a collection of 11 speeches that uh, Munger has given at different like universities and clubs and whatnot that talk about a bunch of different things. Um, and mostly it talks about 
decision making and making and psychology. And I think that that book, it's a super unique book. It's kind of like a coffee table book, right? Like it's this huge book with like all kinds of illustrations and like big block letters and stuff in it. Um, but it's, I think it's a great starting point for learning how to learn. And it talks a lot, like from there, you will get a bunch of book recommendations within that book that you can then take and learn more about the different topics that he talks about. So I think that book is probably one of the best starting points. Poor Charlie's Almanac? Yep. All right. All right. Um, so clearly you have some habits, uh, whether that's learning uh, the, the study of the numbers, as you look at your life, what are the things you do consistently that bring the biggest results? Well, those are definitely the, the two biggest that you hit on already. I think learning, <laughs> is, um, learning is the most important one. I read a lot. Uh, I think I've read seven or eight books this month already. And oh that's my gosh. pretty typical. Uh, you know, we're 20 days in or 21 days in. Um, I read a lot. And I, I think that that's, one of the most important things that you can do uh, if you want to make better decisions is you can read a lot. Um, I read, and it's, it's all nonfiction too. I, I definitely don't read any fiction. Um, <laughs> and that's a mistake that I see people make. You know, people think like, oh, I'm learning because I'm reading a book. Well, it's like, are you reading a book that's actually useful or not? Um, but yeah, I read a lot of psychology. I read a lot of business. Um, I even read, uh, recently I've been reading history. Um, I'm working my way through a biography of every U.S. president, which is super interesting. Oh. Um, so reading, reading is definitely a big one. Um, I, I think that my decision making has improved enormously because of reading. Um, looking at data is, I think, the most important one as a business owner that you can do. You need to know the numbers and you need to be able to understand them first. Um, so if you, if you don't, like as a business owner, you have to understand basic financial statements. If you don't understand financial statements, you need to understand them. Um, but then once you do, it's important to keep an eye on and, and not just keep an eye on, but like truly understand what's happening with them. Um, mm -hmm. And then beyond those, those two habits, I mean, there's some things that I do that I think contribute indirectly. Like I'm really big into fitness. Um, I compete in CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and I'm a hunter, obviously. So I climb a lot of mountains. Um, it, you know, it's easy to look at those things as kind of like a distraction and, you know, like they they take up time that I could be working on the business or I could be reading books or whatever. Um, but I definitely look at those as they, you know, improve my personal health. And by making me healthier, I'm able to make clearer, better decisions um, just because, you know, my, if my body's working better. That means my brain's probably working better. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think those are, you know, there's some, there's some secondary habits that also have benefits that are harder to see, but I think are really important. Um, it, I'm interested in this, in, in kind of the process. Is there a specific time that you set aside for reading? Is, is it like first thing in the morning or how do you fit that much reading into your day? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely super fortunate, right? Like I've got a business that, um, I can manage and not a whole lot of time and I've set it up that way on purpose. Um, there are some, like I do always read usually in the morning after, um, sometimes before and after I eat breakfast and then I always read for an hour or so before I go to bed. I usually read three to four hours a day. Um, that's kind of useful for me. Um, I've also recently been doing audiobooks. That was something I'd never done until the summer. And then this summer I ended up doing a bunch of road trips to climb a bunch of mountains over on the other side of the state. 
And so I, I had, it was like seven weekends in a row that I had these drives that were like five hours each way. And so I just said, oh, you know, I'm going to do some audiobooks this summer. I've never done that before. And that's a really easy way to, to rack up some serious reading. Um, yeah. Turn on an audiobook while you're, while you're driving. One interesting thing about habits is it's not just what you do. Um, I, I wonder, what, what do you not do? because you spend that much time reading and in personal development. I bet there's things that most of us do that you do not do. Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of them. And, and I would say it, some of it is just like the vices that I don't have, right? Like I'm 25 and I kind of started this business journey when I was like 18. Um, and there were some things that I didn't do that my peer group was doing that I think was super beneficial. And it was just things like not partying a ton and stuff like that. Um, that definitely helps. I would say I'm also, some of this comes down to personality, right? Like I'm a hardcore introvert. Um, for me, I don't mind, I work from home. Um, I don't mind not seeing people all day. And so that gives me some advantages <laughs> to being you know, at home reading a lot um, just because I'm such a hardcore introvert. Um, and I also, I think I do a pretty good job of eliminating, um, like, choosing actively to not do busy work. Um, if there's something that comes up, I'm very good about either saying, you know, that's not important. I'm just not going to do it, whatever that busy work thing is. And even in my business, you know, I um, there are probably things that we could be doing. We'd be a little bit better if I were to do those things, but I'd be spending a lot of my time doing those things. So I don't do them. The other thing that, you know, you have to delegate a lot um, if you're going to, you know, say no to things. And so um, I think I'm pretty good at delegating. I, it helps too that I have a business partner that is sort of the opposite personality as me in some ways, right? Like he's definitely more extroverted. He's definitely more of like a go, go, go person. He likes to constantly be working and he doesn't mind like being on his email and on his phone all day long, whereas I personally hate those things. Like I never answer my phone. I, it um, takes me a long time to get back to emails a lot of the time. Um, so I have a business partner that can do the size of the business that I'm not necessarily equipped to do. That helps a lot as well. Yeah. Do you watch TV? Do you like social media, any of those? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I watch a little bit of TV for sure. I won't say that I don't. Um, I would say I watch significantly less than average, mm -hmm. um, like, you know, like 20 minutes a day, probably on average, whereas the average American is like three hours or something stupid like that. Uh, <laughs> and social media, I have a Facebook account. Um, I don't have Instagram. I don't have Snapchat. I don't have, I'm, I'm kind of a social pariah. Uh, <laughs> my, 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 none of my friends um, ever even know that I'm a real person sometimes because I don't exist on, they have no idea what I'm doing ever because I'm not on social media. Um, but I mean, I, I'm on, I tech, I have a Facebook account. I use it every once in a while, but I've, I've posted on Facebook, I think three times this year. It's, it's pretty rare. <laughs> so you mentioned emails and answering your phone. Yeah. What other, um, when, when you mentioned busy work, what else constitutes busy work for you? Well, some of it is just the, the things that come up in business that I know that I'm not best equipped to do. So like customer service. Um, I, at one point, a couple of years ago, I bought a business, a really great e-commerce business that sold um, high-end bathroom fixtures, like saunas and whirlpool tubs, stuff like that. 
Uh, and like financially, it was one of my better moves. It was a fantastic business. I was getting almost 100% annual return on that investment. Um, but I sold it after a year. And the reason that I did that is because it involved, I had to do some customer service and I had to answer some sales calls. And so I just decided like, you know what, this kind of business is not the kind of business that I can operate very well. And so and it, it just, I had a really hard time finding people to, to run the business because it wasn't quite a full-time job. So I couldn't hire a person to like be full-time on that business. Um, because if I did, they just didn't have enough to do. And so I had, I ended up having like four different employees run it part-time over the course of this year. Plus I was running it some of the time and like, but nobody, nobody enjoyed running it. Nobody could like have a full-time thing with it. So I ended up just selling it. So I was like, you know what, like this is a type of business that I can't run because it's the type of work that is just not things that I can do. It's fulfilling orders and dealing with suppliers and things like that. And so you know, in the businesses that I do have, I delegate that stuff to Braden, my business partner, who, um, he doesn't mind doing some customer service. He doesn't mind working with suppliers and negotiating deals and things like that. He's, you know, much better equipped to do that stuff than I am. Huh. Yeah, the, the ability to um, kind of move off of something, that's, that seems to be a, a, a characteristic you've developed. Saying no. <laughs> uh, or saying, hey, this yeah. isn't working for me and I'm going to. Yep. I'm going to leave it. Right. Um, hmm. Interesting. I, I, I'd love to. It's good and bad. There's, there's definitely good and bad to that, right? Like I, like my, I started my career at bodybuilding.com working there for a couple of years, big e-commerce company here in Boise. Yeah. Um, and I worked for just less than two years and I, I got at the end of it, I decided like, okay, I'm gonna go full time in my business. Now when I made that decision, I was one month away from investing my 401k. So I walked away from like thousands of dollars in 401k money um, just because I was like, I'm, like you said, like I'm the type of person, like I just, I move on very well. And so like I kind of made that decision, moved on and it, it cost me some money, but you know, I think at the end it was the right decision. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do. I do think most people would say, Hey, just stick around for a month. Right. And that's what everyone told me. Like, yeah, you got like one more month, man. Like you're going to walk out on thousands of dollars. Why not? I'm like, well, it's time. <laughs> that was my, that was my answer. <laughs> I love it. Um, there's hundreds of, of tasks that come your way on a daily basis. How do you identify what's most important to do? Um, you know, I would say that I've actually, I've built up things in such a way that I don't have that many tasks coming my way, which is helpful. Um, and part of that is having a, a really great business partner that does those things. Um, that's, you know, better equipped to, to handle the, the lots of the high, the high volume tasks. Um, whereas me, I tend to work on the things that are, they're more in depth. Like I work on the finances of the business. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of, it's my job to make sure that the money is flowing well through the business, um, which that's, I think is, I think that's really important. If you're going to be <laughs> in a business, you have to understand what the money's doing, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, business exists to make money. Um, and if it doesn't, it doesn't work, right? It won't, it won't stay around for long. Like even if you talk to people who have all kinds of social ideals about what business should do at the end of the day, if a business doesn't make money, it won't exist. Um, so I think understanding what the money does is a, is a big thing there. All right. So then how did you manage, I, I guess, because I'm thinking about productivity. 
Mm -hmm. How do you manage to stay then focused, right? Like you've got your things. This is what I do. This is what I don't do. Mm -hmm. How do you manage to stay so well focused on, on what you should do without becoming distracted towards things that you shouldn't do? You know, I, I think about that Warren Buffett quote, the, the difference between successful people and very successful people is that very successful people say no to almost everything. And when you do that, what happens is you end up with a lot of time, right? Like I ended up with, and I'm, I'm in a position where I can work on the things that I want to, or that I need to work on, the, the, those high priority things that need to get focused on, I can work on them. And it's not like I have to work a 16 hour day every day, hmm. right? Because I'm not distracted by all kinds of other things that are getting in the way. Like, I would say that I'm not the most productive person on the planet by far. Like, even though I've got some really good habits, um, I'm not the most productive person. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely, my mind tends to work in weird, way, weird ways, and I, it's not like I'm sitting down for, you know, blocks of eight hours every day and just working on work. Um, like, that. I'm, I'm not that type of person. I'm definitely the more, I like to read, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and figure out how to make, make decisions. Um, so I, I don't even think I'm super productive, but because of the way I've set up my systems with only getting the, the things that are super important for me to do even into my, my queue to get worked on, it doesn't matter that I'm not that productive. Okay. So you have outlined a lifestyle that I think most of us are like, it, it's like our dream, right? Like you, you are living <laughs> the dream of most of us. That was so definitely those, the idea when I started out, yeah. <laughs> so for those of us who are not there, like, like what would you recommend to someone who says, oh my gosh, my inbox is overflowing, my to-do list is overflowing, my uh, agenda, you know, my calendar is overbooked. I, I would love to have 15 minutes to read. You have three to four hours a day. What would you? What advice would you give to someone to say, how do I get from where I am to at least two or three steps closer to where you are if I can't get all the way to nirvana? Well, you know, that's a tricky thing because it, it totally does depend on your job, right? Like there are going to be some people that are in jobs that it's you have to do that kind of work, right? Like my business partner has to do some of that kind of work. Um, it, it totally just depends on your job. With that said, I think most people would be surprised at the amount of things that you can simply ignore and they will go away and it's not a problem. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I can't give anybody advice on what those things might be because you kind of got to figure it out for yourself. Um, but I think there's a surprising amount of things in most people's lives that they can, um, in their work lives at least, that they can ignore and, you know, it, it doesn't cause the end of the world like they think they will. And some of it comes down to the Pareto principle, right? The 80-20 principle of focusing on the 20% of things that you can work on that drive the 80% of the results. Um, I found that as a business owner, it's more like 99 to 1, right? Like 1% of the things that I do will drive 99% of the results. Having, having the right business model is the most important thing. So I spend most of my time, you know, making sure that we are in the right business model. Because if that doesn't work, nothing else works. But if it does work, we can mess up a lot of other stuff and still do okay. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think being very active in um, you know looking for things that you can ignore is the way to slowly get to that get to that place. And then having some of the right habits, right? Like make like making a habit of saying no to a lot of things is very helpful. <laughs> yeah.
Huh. I, I could see you writing a business book of productivity through ignoring things. <laughs> well, it's already been written. It's called The 4-Hour Workweek. That's it true. My, it's my original inspiration, how I got started in business. <laughs> you that. do have a very Tim Ferriss uh, 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 lifestyle. Oh, for sure. And that was, that was totally on purpose. I read The 4-Hour Workweek when I was 17. Um, and then I started a business for my senior project with the goal of hopefully getting to that state. Um, and then it kind of just worked out, <laughs> you know, like it took a few years. The first few years I was definitely working 100 hour weeks. Uh, I was going crazy to get things off the ground. Um, but that's what it takes, right? Yeah. You, know, you have to do that. Uh, but yeah, the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss, that was a, that was a very important initial inspiration um, in my life. And then the other one was Mr. Money Mustache. Are you familiar with his blog? No. Um, early retirement is, is kind of his thing he talked about. Um, and that's the, he's where I got a lot of my financial habits from. And basically his thing is just be super frugal and save 80% of your income and then you can retire in like seven years, which is what he did. Um, so, Mr. Money Mustache? Yep. Google him. He's awesome. Okay. His articles are great. Um, and I, I also found him when I was about that same age when I was in high school. I was like, whoa, that's really inspiring. I'm going to try to combine the four-hour work week and Mr. Money Mustache. And um, worked out pretty well. You know, like yeah. it definitely um, it set me up on a good path. Hmm. Wow. James, what, uh, what a fascinating conversation. There's so much here that uh, I want to go back and just listen again and, and particularly look and say, okay, how do I apply that? to my life, I'm thinking now, okay, what things can I ignore? What things can I say no to? Um, I, I would, I would, maybe we need to have a follow-up conversation of all the business ideas you said no to, or. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a long conversation. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like, I, at this point I would consider myself more of an investor than a business owner in some ways, right? Like I actively am looking to buy businesses. Um, I, and I look at half a dozen a week, you know, like, and I'm, I buy like, one or two a year. So it's, I'm constantly going through ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Amazing. Well, uh, thank you so much for spending some time with us on the, on the podcast again, uh, talking with, uh, James Petsky from Upland Optics. You can go to uplandoptics.com or just go to Amazon and search Upland Optics if you are in the market for a rangefinder or some binoculars or a uh, spotting scope. And and do you do like guided hunting tours as well? <laughs> you or know, I, I do for my friends every once in a while. I actually I help okay. people get their first animals this year. I really like if I were to have my dream job, dream job, like maybe I need to reconsider things. I should just go be a hunting guide because that's what I really like to do. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're in that market, uh, go check it out. Um, and, and if you're in the market for a better lifestyle, um, check out uh, ignoring things and saying no. I will also put into the um, podcast show notes links to the books and the articles and um, blogs that James mentioned today. So James, thanks so much for being uh, on the podcast with CEO Idaho. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Wow, that gives us some great things to start with. Now, don't forget for more, check out my website, thejasonharwood.com. You can get my blog and links to my social media accounts to keep your mindset, habits, and hacks moving forward. Now go do one thing better today. We'll see you on the next CEO Idaho podcast.